0: Thank you, Mike Hale, and thank you for your witness of faith. In fact, all of us have a witness of faith. Mike chooses to use music as just one of the ways he communicates the love of Christ in his life. There are ways you can do that, and one of the ways is inviting folks to worship. Uh, We're all back. Thanks for letting me take a Sunday off. Anthony was able to take a Sunday off. I figured since everybody else was on the road, I could get on the road, right? And so, uh, but I appreciate John stepping in and bringing the Word of God. And now that we're all back, I want to encourage you to invite your neighbors, colleagues, and friends to come. Something's happening at Martha Bowman, and it's the Spirit of God working. Now, you may have to overcome some things when it comes to your senior pastor, when it comes to inviting uh, because my reputation is out there. I don't know if some of you read in the paper yesterday. One of the things that I did not realize, or at least I forgot, uh, I had forgotten when I came back to make it, is anything you may say could be quoted in the paper. And um, and so let me just, I I need to bring some clarification because some of you had questions about this. What happened was um, the city council had asked me to come and give an invocation, inviting the presence of God and Offering a prayer. Well, I thought it was the city council. It actually was the county commission. So I went to the city council and I showed up and I said, "I'm here to pray." And they said they didn't do any different. So they said, "That's fine, Pastor Jim. Why don't you go in and pray?" So I prayed. two weeks ago I prayed for the city council and it was a mistake Uh, I got there, showed up and they asked me to pray and man it must have been of God because they needed it more than you all did (laughs) through us, even in spite of us, with all of our human error, we thank you that you still use your people to shine your light, and so use this time that we might see more clearly the blessings you have so lavished upon us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you O oh Lord, our strength and our great light that leads us in life. Amen. Well, an email address can tell you a lot about a person. It can provide some descriptive information about an individual. It, it can disclose the gender in some cases, uh, obviously the name occupation and residence. In fact, my email address book has some different kinds of, of names for emails in the address. Dogfan at gmail.com is one. girl at yahoo.com. <laughs> man at Markumc.org. That's a seminary friend. And so, living in today's media-driven form of communication, I wonder what it would have been like if the Apostle Paul had lived in this day as he was writing the church at Ephesus. Maybe he would have had to write the church at Ephesus with maybe something like the saints at Ephesus.org. You have message notes during this season, uh, or during this series, we're doing a message series on Ephesians, and we're going to be doing an expository study. Uh, This will be challenging because we're going to take Ephesians chapter by chapter. We're going to, to break open God's Word as inspired by the Holy Spirit, as written by Paul, and each week we're going to have message notes, and so I encourage you to refer to those today as uh, we move through this message. And I pray that uh, this is a helpful thing for you. We may not do this for every series, but for this series, we felt like it would be important. And so Paul did not have access to email, but it's interesting that he was able to write two-thirds of the New Testament by way of epistles or letters. And the way he chooses to address churches gives us some valuable information. He begins that salutation of the letter to his friends at Ephesus. And the specific way he addresses them tells us important facts about every person who calls himself or herself a Christian. And Paul addresses his audience in this way as he is dealing with a certain kind of context. And so this first message, let's take a look at the context. This was known as a general epistle, a circulated epistle. In other words, Ephesus, the church, the community of faith, was the prominent church in the region, was the primary recipient, but it was really read by those communities of faith all around Ephesus. And so it was passed among groups that were followers of Christ in that regional area. And he was dealing with a couple of issues. Uh, One was designed to seek unity in what could have really been a great division, in divisiveness. Because, see, now the gospel has been offered to both Jews and Gentiles. And he presents a vision of how all ought to be unified as one body of believers in Christ under Christ. And what he's saying is because of the grace of God, there is a new inclusivity when it comes to uh, our race and, and who we are as human beings. As uh, yes, he writes in another uh, letter, there's no longer male or female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free. All of us fall within the bounds of God's grace, and we can identify with Jesus. And so he's saying, put aside your differences, come together under Christ. And he's saying there's so much for us in identifying together our oneness in Christ. Because now we have become part of the light. We are the true light. Christ is the true light, but he illuminates our lives and we no longer wander in darkness. So we're under the umbrella of Christ. And it matters not who we are or what we look like or what our last name may be or our socioeconomic level. We are all under the inclusivity of God's grace. What a wonderful thing. And he's saying, now that that's true, live in the light. And now it's interesting to me, uh, Paul uses the word Saints. In one translation, it says, to the saints at Ephesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a little uncomfortable being referred to as a saint. What did you mean by that, Paul? Most of us would be uncomfortable with being called a saint. I, I mean, we know we're not that good. Turn to, your, turn to your neighbor and say, I know I'm not that good. <laughs> All right? And even, even this summer, even the summer, I know some of you are not saints. I, I discovered it. And yet, it's it's really, you know, we, we've always preserved sainthood as that famous status of Christians who've really already gotten to heaven. Like my wife ought to be canonized for sainthood because she's had to live with me. And so she. One day we'll be crowned in glory because of that, but more importantly because of the work of Christ on the cross. And so we kind of always reserve sainthood for those who've gone beyond this life into heavenly places. But I have good news for you today that you can be called a saint. Why is that? Because it's not, he's not basing that on performance. For the scripture says all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. All of us make mistakes as well as we have made mistakes. But because of the redeeming work of Christ, we have received what's called imputed righteousness. That is based on our position before God as he has declared us guilt free, forgiven. And so I want to say to you, saints, you are saints by position, by the declaration, by what has been imputed to you, ascribed to you, credited to you. Now turn to your neighbor and say, I'm better than I thought. (laughs) Now be careful with that information as you leave this place. I I don't want you to go around saying, you know, I'm a saint and. You're not. Um, And so you are a recipient. I mean, this is great news. You are a recipient of God's imputed, credited grace. And that righteousness through Christ has been transfused to you. And it brings to us, get this, it brings to us a host of spiritual blessings. That's what Paul said. He says, to you, the saints, the church in Ephesus, the church at Martha Bowman, you are the beneficiary of great spiritual blessings because of your position in Christ. Not your performance, but your position in Christ. So let's take a look at some of those spiritual blessings. We who have been blessed in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ so Paul begins to list, in chapter 1, as we begin this study, he begins to list spiritual blessings that are ours, as we are beneficiaries, spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, impacting life in earthly places. Kind of like that understanding of our prayer that, that J.C. led us in. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the first thing we see in your message notes is He chose us. Verse 4, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. God predestined us for adoption. We are not saved because we deserve it, but because God is gracious and freely gives salvation. Because of God's good pleasure, He lavished grace on us. He he chose us. He adopted us. What a wonderful spiritual blessing. And He predestined, He he longed early on that all would be in a relationship with Him. In love, God predestined us to adoption as children through Jesus Christ to Himself. A weird picture for me is this. A couple of years ago, um, in fact it was about four years ago, right as we had moved to Statesboro, Georgia, uh, we had taken with us a duck, a wiener dog. And we had gotten attached to her, but i got to tell you, my wife and that dog did not, as we say in the South, (laughs) g-haw. I mean, there were some problems. And some of those had to do with where to use the bathroom. And, and so it was a constant battle because here we are in a parsonage and we've got to be sensitive. This isn't our property, and, and my wife would always come in glued. And, and so we, let's just say, let someone else have the dog. Some an elderly couple. And and it was it was hard on me, it was hard on, on the children a little bit, but it just wasn't working. So we went through a probationary period where we had no dog, and then Jordan began to work his mother, and we thought it was to no avail because he would say, "Mom, I want a dog again. I miss Haley. I want a dog. Can we not have a dog?" And you know, I would kind of join the campaign, but suddenly, and I would say, "Honey, he wants a dog." And, and so, uh, so we you know, working, and he's working. She's like, it's not going to happen. And, and, and I was like, honey, you know, what, no, don't think so. So I said, son, let's just put it to rest for a while. Well, blow and behold, a couple of years ago, in the newspaper, there was an ad. And in that ad, it had best dog ever. And it had a picture of a litter of Springer Spaniels. And they were out in the county. And this guy had breeded them. And so, you know, we kind of pushed that out onto the dining room table. Thinking to no avail. And sure enough, she said, what's this? Best dog ever." Well, we're not going to get a dog. But this afternoon, on a Sunday afternoon, let's ride out there and just see them. So we loaded up in the minivan, and I said, Now, son, we're not going to get a dog. We're not going to get a dog. I wish we could have a dog, but we're not going to get one. We're just going to look at one. She said, That's exactly right. And I whispered to my son, and "I, I was very pastoral in that moment, and I said, Maybe God is softening our heart. And, 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 and so we we get to the uh, to the farm and, and there they are. And oh, they're beautiful. And, and Jordan runs out of the van and he looks at them. And, and and we all get to cradle a doll, a puppy, and just the scent and the whimper and the, the cuteness in their face. And, and it was as though all those broken bad memories began to flee from her brain and and in a a moment, Jordan said, isn't this great dad? And I said, yes it is. Keep praying. (laughs) And and in that moment, she she held a pop and 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 she put it down and she said, are y'all ready to go? And we said, yes. and then she pulled out the checkbook. And said, which one do you want? <laughs> oh. And Jordan said, really? And I said, pick one before she changes it. <laughs> He said, I want them all. <laughs> I said, just pick one. <laughs> and so he picked one. And that dog has become so. Special, let me tell you, we rank her all the time now when she comes with that dog. We'll say, glad we just went to look. But you know, that dog is, struggled. I need to tell you, he's only two years old. He has an eye disorder. We didn't know about it. It was a breeding issue. And uh, he, he's blind. Um, he has seizures periodically. But you know, we love that. Dog, and that dog has been adopted as a part of the family. And I really believe that a couple of things happened for me theologically in my mind there. In one way is that I really believe it's as though God walks up to we were walking up to a litter and says, I want them all. I want them all. I long for everyone. Now, the one that won us was the one who licked our hand first, his hand. But we wanted them all. And I really believe that the heart of God desires that all, Scripture tells us, that all would come to know Christ. And to receive these spiritual blessings. And, and you know, the other spiritual blessing is... We have been redeemed. Look at that verse 7. In Him we've been redeemed through His blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance accordance with the riches of God's grace. We've been redeemed. And that redemption in that moment with that word picture is when she pulled out that checkbook and she paid for that dog with a price. So it is that Christ has paid it all for us. Do you see it? You're a saint, not by performance, but by the performance of Christ. By the position that you have in the kingdom, the declaration that you've been forgiven, that you've been redeemed, you've been adopted and chosen and set for through His glorious will. The scripture says, good pleasure. John and Anthony and I study the scripture every Monday to get our thoughts together and where we feel like the Lord's leading us. And John Horton this week said that word lavish It's an awesome word, isn't it? He said, just saying that word almost spews forth. God lavished His love on us. He is extravagant. He has showered us with every spiritual blessing, which is His good pleasure. In other words, He wants to bless us. That's His heart's desire. And he's revealed to us something wonderful. It's interesting how we've watched in the news a lot and um, how our government is disclosing all of the information that they can acquire and obtain pretty easily. And what used to be declassified information in many cases is becoming classified, or or, uh, classified, becoming declassified. And so you've got either whistleblowers or people that have, carelessly left information available to others. And in the same way, listen to this, a positive is in the salvation history that has been laid out in verse 7. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood to the forgiveness of sins according to his good pleasure, which he purposed for us. This is a mystery of his will. In other words, the mystery has been disclosed. The puzzle has come together. That God all along had longed for us to draw near to him. Even while we were yet sinners, God offered us redemption. And now that salvation plan has been revealed. It's kind of like those moments where you've been puzzled for so long and then it all becomes clear for you. You've been in a fog. You've struggled to see how the dots connect. And then the mystery Unfolds into a clear, concise story. And God's story is this, that He desires that each would come to know Him, and He has made available a plan through Christ. And so what was once classified has become declassified. And all that metadata that God has on us, it would be unfathomable for us to know all that He knows about us, and yet, he still offers his love. And then finally, one of the spiritual blessings under Christ or in Christ is a prepositional phrase, is the inheritance that we receive. In 13b, 14, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Until the redemption of those who are God's possessions. To the praise of His glory. In Christ, we have obtained the inheritance of all that God wants to give us. We've been guaranteed this bequest for inheritance in Christ. And we've been redeemed by Christ and we are His possessions. It's interesting uh, in the movie, Grand Torino, maybe you've seen it. Clint Eastwood is in this movie, and he's the primary character. And he's a Polish American that served uh, in the Korean War. He has returned, and he's had a tough time adjusting back in the States, uh, living in a neighborhood in Detroit. And the Asian community lives all around him. He's in a neighborhood in transition. His wife passes away. And his two sons are callous and cold. They, they're not sensitive to their mother's loss. They're not sensitive to their father's grief. And so there's an estrangement there. He develops a relationship with his Asian-American neighbors, uh, immigrants. And he befriends one young man and his family. He looks out for them. Well, unfortunately, through a series of events, he dies. And you the two sons. <clears throat> but also, the Asian young man stands in the shadows in the attorney's office as it's being probated. And the reading of the will says, I leave my house to the church, which is really ironic because he was not a churchgoer. <laughs> and then it said, I leave my grand Torino a named off. The will is Asian free. There were a few things that were given to the children, but the sons were. chosen. We have been redeemed. It has been revealed to us the mystery of salvation. And our inheritance is a great one. For it says in the scripture in Romans, we are co-heirs with Christ. Every spiritual blessing that Christ has received. So we will receive. Today it may be as we sing our final hymn, you just simply want to come and give thanks to claim that victory in Jesus as we talked about, it, as we sang about. It. Coming and saying, You know what, Christ, I want you to come fully into my life. I want that full inheritance of the blessings you desire to bestow upon me. I invite you to turn your hymn. You know,